Cannabis is now mainstream. People want to use cannabis, but they can't get it through a regulated safe source. A lot of these cases are happening in states that don't have regulated cannabis, period. So it's very clearly coming from the black market. And that's really the issue. We embrace regulation. We want regulated programs. Our, our biggest competitor is the black market. It's the drug dealer because he doesn't care what's in his products. He doesn't have to go through safety standards. He only cares about you getting high and giving him money. So that's, that's how we think about the industry. And I think you have to put it in that context to understand why we are trying to lead a world where cannabis is accepted, regulated, and safe. You are listening to the award-winning The Young Jerks with Mike Crawford. Mike Crawford back live, Young Jerks. I'm not sure what's up with clips tonight. We have a crap load of clips to play, and it doesn't seem to be working on StreamYard. First time I've had this issue but uh, we'll deal with it. We have a great show. We have some great guests, so I think we'll be fine. We have a lot of topics to talk about. Uh, let's get to the guests. Let's bring up. You saw Lauren Pespiza, so let's bring her up for us. What's up, Lauren? Hey, not much. How are you doing? Good. Welcome back on the show. Hey, good to see you. How do you describe yourself in 30 seconds for people that don't know? Activist, local loudmouth, uh, podcast host sometimes, filmmaker sometimes, uh, perpetual target sometimes a uh, big fan of uh, cannabis and a uh, big fan of not snitching. Awesome. And also a past young jerks co-host. Yes, I, was, I, was, uh, I always love to hold on to that one. Yep. Yep. Also the kids table, the kids table. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to recreate that tonight, but Warren <laughs> can come on, uh, but we're, we're also going to bring up uh, Chris Goldstein here. My old friend, 20 years, at least. I don't know. I've known you forever. It's been a long time, Mike. It, it really has. I was thinking about it the other day about how long I've been involved with Normal, which is uh, 1996, 1997, when I started um, doing some audio podcasting and, and some news reading from them on the radio. But yeah, it's been a long time. And I've known you. Geez, man, I'm trying to think when we first met. It must have been at least 20 years now. It's pretty amazing. Yes. And, yeah, I've known you even longer than Lauren, which is surprising because Lauren and I are pretty tight. Uh, but Chris, Chris, Lauren and myself, all three of us have something in common that, that just came to my mind, which you, all three of us have been arrested for drugs. Hmm. Right. No one tried harder than I did, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris is a, Chris is a unique situation. You got a felony for to, cannabis. I had to really try for mine. I mean, in all the years I've smoked marijuana, I really had to try to get the federal charge. And now that now that they're actually expunging state level records and stuff, it's pretty funny. I mean, Biden now. I mean, it's been a year. I voted for this guy. I have a federal marijuana possession record. Nothing's happened so far. I really didn't expect to be like sitting around in 2022 with this record still on me. It's crazy. And, and it was because, you know, it was a, a protest to, to make things legal. I think people should be aware of that, is that you you put things on the line and you got a federal felony for this cause. I didn't get a felony. I got a misdemeanor. It was, oh, it was I thought Poe, it was a felony. Poe got a felony. Poe oh, got a felony right. for, resisting, for, for resisting being tackled by a team of uh, National Park Service officers, which he didn't resist very well, I might add. So, um, you know, because he did get taken into custody and put into the federal detention center for five days. 
but that's all on a side, you know, it, you guys, did, you got arrested in Massachusetts. Is that where it yeah, happened? Yeah. Before decrim. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Really? I mean, I remember, I remember the Boston freedom rally and the, the police department used to come out and go around and bust hundreds of people. I mean, they would arrest hundreds of people. They have their processing tent. It was such a big change after decrim in 2008. I mean, after that, they would come out and annoy people, and then there was less and less annoyance. It was pretty amazing. And we have another great guest. Uh, this is pretty wild to have him on the show after what happened over the last year. All the things he's done in Maine, state of Maine, and then he had a moped accident. I think it was in the Bahamas, was it? Let's find out. Bermuda. What's yeah. up, Dawson? Julia. Yeah, man. Hey, hey, uh, is this thing still working? Can you, can you see me? Yes, we can. Okay. You're moving around a little bit, though. I would, I would leave yeah. it, you know, leave it in one spot for us. Right, right, right on, right on. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's been uh, a good. Uh, I've been I've been uh, healing in the last seven months and. Um, doing a lot of work with the uh, physical trainers and the OTs and just crap like that. But um, I'm on the road to recover. (laughs) And I'm also uh, um, a director of uh, the coalition. um, um, For medical cannabis in Maine. Main Campus Coalition, right. Awesome. Uh, we started with a clip that didn't really come through. Dawson, we may have to, uh, I don't know, you, you got, you're got. you going to have to stop moving that phone or we're going to have to shut you down. Oh, the yeah. sound is killing us. Okay, I apologize. We're going to mute it and hopefully you figure it out. We'll do that. Um, we're, you know, basically we, we started off tonight talking about uh, Cure Relief. We, we, we played a little uh, a parody. I don't know if people realize that's a parody. But then we tried to play the Curly clip, and they kind of say the same thing as the parody. parody. There's two different uh, executives we found videos of from Curaleaf. Uh, their executives have called their street competition drug dealers. I figured we'd start with that tonight. I mean, it's uh, it's to me, at this point, there is no justice in the cannabis space unless you go to a state like Maine. Uh, because, you know, look at Massachusetts. We've The cannabis companies have spent more money on cops than they have actually expunging people's uh-huh. records, doing any sort of restorative justice, which we're going to talk about later in the show. Um, wh- what do you all say about a company like Cureleaf who calls their street competition drug dealers? Why don't we go with Chris first? Well, I mean, this is the rhetoric that's being used by a lot of industry operators today. We're going to focus on Cureleaf probably a bunch today in the show because of that uh, video clip and some other stuff that's going on. But let's make it clear that Columbia Care and a lot of the other national cannabis brands tout this same line. You know, it's also the same stuff that we see uh, with them uh, opposing home cultivation, you know, anything that might threaten their marketplace. But the idea that their biggest competition is traditional market cannabis suppliers is laughable. Their biggest competition is themselves. They are pricing themselves away from most of their customers. If they, I mean, here in New Jersey, you know, cure relief prices are two to four hundred dollars an ounce, which 
at the low end, if it's available and if it's on discount, maybe that's reasonable for some patients. But in Cureleaf at Ellsworth, Maine, they sell ounces for $75 to $120. That's not without a, with a discount. And what's weird is that that wasn't a Cureleaf until a couple of years ago. They actually bought out a company called Maine Organic Therapies. So Maine Organic Therapies, they're $75, $120 ounces. That was like their everyday deal. Now Cureleaf bought that company. They've put the brand on it. You can look up the menu on their website. But it's next to dispensaries in New Jersey and other states where Cureleaf is charging three and four hundred dollars an ounce. So now it's 2022. These national cannabis brands have a new responsibility. If they want to buy up dispensaries in multiple states, and if state regulators are going to allow that to happen, we need them to have a normalized and uniform price structure for patients. If they can get away with selling an ounce of weed in Maine for $130. That's what the, the low end price should be right here in New Jersey. Otherwise, we call that price gouging. And in other products, like if Walgreens, yes, it's, it's way more expensive to operate a Walgreens in New Jersey than it probably is in Maine. But Walgreens doesn't charge three times as much for the aspirin in New Jersey than it does in Maine. And if national cannabis brands want to get taken seriously, if they really want to be taken seriously as a healthcare provider, especially in this modern age, they need to normalize that price structure. And it's, it's out of reach. It's not drug dealers that are their competition. It's their own greed. Let me ask you a qu quick follow-up question on that too. Cureleaf execs call their street competition drug dealers. Do you think that causes actual real harm to people on the, in the outside world? Uh, certainly, you know, Cureleaf and the large corporate cannabis companies, the ones that own all the permits, they have a fair amount of political clout with state legislators and mayors and local officials. If they say, hey, I think that marijuana dealers are hurting our dispensary business, they might see some action on that. And while possession's legal here in New Jersey, selling marijuana in large amounts, at least at the amounts that a dispensary would, certainly isn't. Um, they haven't really cracked down on this. There's a number of like delivery services available in New Jersey right now. They've more like threatened them with like the Department of Consumer Affairs and said, hey, if you keep doing this, we're going to mess with your taxes and stuff like that, which is pretty threatening if you're a small business or an average person. So I don't know, Cureleaf uh, does, and these large companies do have clout. If they're out there sicking law enforcement dogs on local marijuana entrepreneurs, that is not helping people transition to a, into a pathway of legitimacy here. That's yeah. not helping local small businesses. That's shutting it down before it can start. You know, what's funny too is uh, Joe Lissardo, another Cureleaf executive, another recent uh, maybe a couple of years ago, an interview he did with uh, Bloomberg. So he's talking to a business network and he turns around and says, those you know street dealers only want to get you high and make a lot of money. And I just thought about, here's a guy on Bloomberg saying that, like, what's he on Bloomberg for to get people high and make a lot of money? I mean, he's so uh, yeah. full of shit. Well, I, you know, look, Mike, these companies also have a well-oiled plan. They're hitting all the notes with legislators and law enforcement and people like that. We have to push back against this because at, while they're saying this on Bloomberg, they're also telling legislators, oh, social equity. 
we are the corporate cannabis providers are the pathway to equity. We're going to mentor all these small businesses before we buy them out. We're going to mentor them before we buy them out. We're going to help them before we buy them out. We're going to help them do all these things. We are the corporate powerhouse. To me, that's like asking if I wanted to start a pizzeria in New Jersey, I'd have to go through Domino's. Like, that's a joke, right? Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Like, you know, we don't run small business like that. And the concept of running small cannabis business like this is going to fall flat. Let me tell you what the good ideas are. <clears throat> New Mexico, where I used to live for 10 years, I lived in Santa Fe. So New Mexico legalized marijuana and they have a strong sense of how to vitalize their business community. And you don't do that by sending your small businesses to a bunch of banks or predatory hedge fund investors for 40 percent returns and stuff like that. You give them loans and grants from the Economic Development Department. It's like that simple. So New Mexico allotted $5 million in economic development loans to go out to small business. New Mexico is not well-funded in this regard for any small businesses. So $5 million bucks is like dropping the bucket for this stuff. New Jersey, we have an economic development agency that is like on par with some European banks in size. I'm not even kidding around by that. We flush hundreds of millions of dollars in state and federal funds through our EDA out to small businesses every single year. Why can't we send that same pathway out to cannabis small businesses? That's right. So this is the way, okay? We need to stop asking for banking because that's a joke for small businesses in any category today, let alone marijuana businesses. And we need to stop acting like corporate mentors are a path forward for any small business, unless you really just want to sell out, which is sure. fine. This is America. It's a sellout country. But, you know... Um, I don't want to cut anybody off from that. But still, if we want to fulfill the promise of equity, that's not the way. And uh, I'm unmuting Dawson. Dawson, what do you say on this? About uh, Cura Leaf execs calling their street competition drug dealers. Oh, he's still on mute. Maybe he well, muted I, himself. Yeah, I, I think you might be unplugged there, Dawson, now. Let's go to Lauren. What do you have to say on this, Lauren? Well, I guess this is just an example of everything that everyone feared when passing legalization. Um, you know, you have the big corporate entities and corrupt form of capitalism, which isn't really free market. It's this sort of corruption revolving door into legislation and uh, that is sort of turning it into, you know, price gouging. And it's really clearly they're not thinking of the patients. Or the consumers. I mean, there really isn't anything wrong with wanting to supply a very, very safe recreational drug that's never killed anyone uh, and wanting to make some money doing that. However, when you are sticking law enforcement on other people who are doing the same thing that is completely anti-free market and corrupt and also everything that we fear in Massachusetts, and it's, a, it's, it's almost a parody of itself. Um, you know, you did a parody, but it wasn't hard to make that make that jump. I'm like, wait, is this what they said? Oh, okay, maybe that's Mike. But like, yeah, it's it, it sounded it sounded about right. And this is what happens when a new industry forms where everyone that doesn't actually care about the product or the medicine uh, actually gets involved and just screws everything up. So you're giving away secrets tonight because uh, a lot of people, I don't know, they didn't catch it. Jeez.
to Chris Goldstein now. Uh, Chris, we want to talk, you know, basically about you filed in New Jersey, you filed with the state of New Jersey a consumer oh, yeah. complaint against Curaleaf. Yeah, what, sure did. Tell us about um, that, what it's about, and where it stands. Okay, so for regular stuff, consumers have price protections. If you drive past a gas station one day and the price is $4 a gallon, you drive past the next day, it's $10 a gallon. You could contact in New Jersey, it's part of the Attorney General's office, it's called the Division of Consumer Affairs. You can call and say, hey, I think there might be price gouging happening. So when New Jersey patients got access to Cure Leaf's menu and were able to see the Ellsworth main location menu at 75 and $115 per ounce and look at the menu in New Jersey at 200 to $400 an ounce, we thought, eh, you know, could be price gouging. So we filed a price gouging complaint and we got a very somewhat predictable but interestingly worded response back from the Division of Consumer Affairs. And they pointed out that medical marijuana is not price regulated in New Jersey. I, interesting enough, medical marijuana isn't really price regulated anywhere. And that may be the problem we're having for small businesses and for consumers and patients in 2022. So other stuff like big commodities, corn, fish, electricity, gasoline, these have price controls on them that operate with floors and ceilings. So you have caps to make sure that prices don't inflate too high for consumers, but you have floors to make sure there isn't an engineered or real market crash that wipes out small businesses. So with price controls on things like farm commodities, we've prevented the crash of American farms. And at the same time, you don't pay $10 for an ear of corn. We might need the same level of price controls today in the cannabis marketplace. Price floors protect small businesses. You know, $20 ounces are really not sustainable for small businesses in Oregon. But that's what's happening today. On the other hand, in New Jersey, $400 ounces are not sustainable for working class consumers. So now prices are at a real extreme for regulated cannabis in America, at a bigger extreme than they ever were in the underground market. Like what was weird about prohibition was that marijuana prices were like largely uniform across the country. Ounce of weed costs $300 in Cleveland. It costs $300 in Charlotte. It costs $300 in Austin. It was a little cheaper in California. But that was about it for like 30 years. But today in the regulated market, you can look at menus on the West Coast and even in Maine sometimes with ounces at a very low price. Oregon being the extreme example, like $20 and $40 an ounce. But again, in New Jersey, at the very even in Pennsylvania, where there are dozens of running dispensaries, all of them owned by corporate cartel permit holders, all of these dispensaries are at three and four hundred dollars an ounce. That's, that's ma still Massachusetts. That's that's Massachusetts right now in the recreation. Still three fifty right. to four hundred dollars an ounce. Well, with and hundreds that's, of stores. That's un that's unreachable for working class consumers. And on other stuff, like even when they adjust the price of alcohol or adjust the tax on cigarettes, they contact consumers. They have a dialogue with consumers about what they can endure in pricing. 
No such dialogue exists for medical marijuana patients or regular cannabis consumer. Officials are guessing at prices. Dispensaries and permit holders are being as greedy as they possibly can. But again, the idea that Cureleaf CEO is out there saying that his biggest competition are traditional marketplace dealers out there is totally laughable. Because if you look at if Cureleaf's menu at every one of their locations matched their Ellsworth main location, if they sold ounces for 75, and this is the saddest part, honestly, because I don't want to help Cureleaf, but if they did, if they managed to get it through their heads that if they sold the $100 ounce at every one of their locations in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, that there'd be lines around the block for their product. Jeez. And they, yeah, and they'd put the street you know, dealers out of business. They would put them out of business. It like, would be a hard literally. game for the local dealers at that point. If if corporate and this is what I always honestly 10 years ago, Lauren, you were right. Like 10 years ago, we were all like, oh geez, man, it's all gonna get co-opted by corporations. It's gonna suck. But some of people ask me, they're like, Well, what's the good side of corporate marijuana? I said, Well, $50 ounces. You know, large yeah. organizations, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll do it right. Never. They're no. too freaking greedy. They don't get it. Well, you know, they, they do it in Maine. I, I, that's what I want to find out why they do it in Maine. Well, Let's, you know, because they bought Maine Organic Therapies and the Ellsworth Maine population can't sustain an ounce more. than. I mean, dude, you ever been to Ellsworth? Yeah. I mean, I've been to Ellsworth. It's right outside Bar Harbor. It is not like a luxury community. It's a real working class community. Maine Organic Therapies had a business serving patients in Ellsworth. Those patients cannot freaking afford $400 ounces. They'd be, they would not have an operation in Ellsworth if they raised their prices that high. Hey, y'all. This is William Henry Thomas, a.k.a. Will Dog. I'm the CEO and founder of the Big Daddy Cannabis Company. We're the third largest multi-state operator in the cannabis space in the nation. The reason,
Hey y'all, this is William Henry Thomas, a.k.a. Will Dog. I'm from the Big Cannabis... Hi y'all, it's William Henry Thomas. Hey y'all, it's William Henry Thomas, a.k.a. Will Dog. I'm the CEO and founder of the Big Daddy Cannabis Company, as you know. And the reason I'm calling you nitwits today is because you've been slandering my wife, who's under a little federal indictment for bribery and wire fraud, and you're acting like it's a big deal. Everyone in this cannabis industry has offered a bribe here and there. It's, it's just the feds decided to make an example of us because of our politics. There are a bunch of left-wingers over there at the FBI, as you know. So I'm just calling you out because you guys haven't done anything for the patients. You haven't done anything. You're not serving the patients. We're the serving the patients. Big Daddy Cannabis is serving the patients. I don't want to hear about the patients from you guys. You and Brian Box Brown on Twitter, a bunch of nitwits. What can I say? Hi, y'all. It's William Henry Thomas, Will Dog. Wanted to address something that came up this week from one of those radio stations up there in Massachusetts. I don't get why iHeartRadio, WBZ Radio, is even interviewing a bunch of morons like Mike Crawford from The Young Jerks. He's a moron. Why are they interviewing him? We own them. We're buying ads with them. We got we to call up our sales rep. That's ridiculous that they're talking to him. So I'm not addressing... They, they, they get all mad at us because we bought seven cop cars in the city of Haverhill, Massachusetts. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We bought seven cop cars uh, in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and we're damn proud of that. Support the boys in blue. Uh, you know, MSO gang, it's good business to support the cops up in Haverhill, Massachusetts. And I'll tell you why. You know, when they're leaving our dispensary, our customers, they know for a fact that the Haverhill police aren't going to pull them over and charge them with an OUI when they got Big Daddy Cannabis in the car. We're paying for seven cop cars. They're not going to bust any of our people. But let me tell you, if you're, if, you're, if you're importing it from the state of Maine or you're buying it from the street, we're advising the mayor to use those cop cars to bust those people, to lock them up. Anyone that's not buying the Big Daddy Cannabis brand should be locked up at this point. they got to support the legal Massachusetts business that is veteran-run, veteran-owned, yeah, did I tell you my grandfather was a veteran? Yeah. You got to support us. And, and if you really want to lower the cost in Massachusetts, number one, you got to stop buying in Maine. And you got to start snitching out your friends that are buying in Maine. And number three, you got to snitch out your dealer. These dealers are undercutting the prices, they're reducing the taxes, and they're causing us to raise the price even more. So if you really want to reduce the price, help us out. Snitch on your dealer. That's what needs to happen. I'm saying all the stuff that my attorneys and my investors told me not to say. I'm the guy we need in the cannabis industry to tell it straight, to say all the things that all the rest of the owners and the industry know deep down, and they agree with me, but they're too afraid to say it.